wonderful people of Earth. Welcome to another edition of Not a Journalist. My name is Brian Holiday, and I'm here with entrepreneur, uh, writer, uh, I, I mean, healer, uh, I, communicator, bringer of people together. Uh, <laughs> I feel like you do so much. Actually, you know what? I, I, I saw your bio recently, and I'll read the bio then. Um, but folks, Chelsea from Higher Vita is here. Um, she's been committed to healing families and individuals through different healing practices, including massage, Ayurveda, and poetry. Unpacking her Car Caribbean identity has lent an extraordinary, extraordinarily has lent extraordinarily to her vision of wellness, and has led to a journey of breaking intergenerational trauma, both for herself and her community. Um, <laughs> that's beautiful. Thank uh, you. And it's it's so funny that I read that when you so you wrote a piece in February Black History Month, um, I like discussing so many amazing things, wellness, health, uh, healing, uh, intergenerational trauma and stuff like that. And I had just myself in January spoken with a therapist on this podcast about trauma and intergenerational trauma. Mm -hmm. And it was never something I'd ever addressed or even thought of. Um, okay. in the, yeah, through that conversation, it was the first time that I ever thought of my mom coming to Canada as a potentially traumatic event, because at the time when my mom tells me the story, you know, she, her, her father had passed away. She was, uh, being brought to live with her mother. Um, and in my head, I was just like, oh yeah, like to me, that seems fine. You're going to live with your mom. You're going to, you, you've, your father's passed away. It's probably hard for you. Being with your mom is probably what you wanted. And in my, and then, mm -hmm. but then it's like, oh no, but you're also being torn from your home at 17. Everything you had known is completely changed. The person yeah. that you relied on is gone. And just that, I, I, and it was, I felt so ashamed that at 37, I'd never thought of that. Um, mm -hmm. And then reading your piece was beautiful because it also helped enlighten me more from the conversation I had in January and then read your piece in February. And here we are in March. And, and I feel like uh, I'm climbing the hill of addressing my own mental health for the first time in my life. Um, and I have people like you and Dr. Han Ren to, to, to thank for that. So that really long-winded way was Aww. me saying thank you. <laughs> I feel humbled. I, I didn't expect that. Um, I didn't even know that you had read the article. Um, yeah, yeah, of course. Thank you. Yeah, that was, uh, you know, what's so interesting is writing that piece was mm -hmm. healing for me as well. Um, yeah. That was, that was just a very interesting uh, experience, writing it, you know, from a perspective of um, an Indo-Caribbean for Black History Month and sort of reshaping the Caribbean and Black identity. Yeah, yeah. Um, so already going into it, I had so many like moments of, of having to unpack what I felt was right or wrong, um, mm -hmm. messaging the editor you know, like three days in and being like, oh my God, I don't think I can write this. Like, you know, <laughs> I think it should be a black Caribbean. And, and for her, a black woman reassuring me, this is what we're interested in. Yeah. This, this 
idea of of blackness and not so much of race not so much yeah. of ethnicity um so yeah that was a beautiful experience and can and i say yeah, one quick yeah. thing the part that you where you address how you had been identified by some people as uh afro caribbean and uh and potentially as black and that's that sense that you felt uh, that sometimes those around you, even possibly family members, felt that it's just like, well, why would you want to identify that way if you're not? Um, and mm -hmm. the idea that, uh, well, I, I, hopefully I'm not speaking out of turn, but it sounded like you were saying they didn't want you to because they were just like, don't do that. Um, but I don't think you meant it as them saying, don't do that because you, you um, how would I, don't do it because uh, you're infringing on blackness more like don't do it because you're not and don't right. pretend and yes. don't identify that way more of a negative than a positive right absolutely it was definitely okay. more yeah. negative um, I tried to I that was... as, as diplomatically yeah. as possible <laughs> yeah no and that makes a big difference right they're not saying hey don't take up space where you don't belong or yeah. you know yeah. <laughs> they're saying ew yeah yes okay that's yeah i was trying to find the you night know? but yes that is exactly it and for me i was just like i remember being in elementary school being like listen guys there's only white or black kids at my school and <laughs> i'm going to identify with those ones okay yeah. like i don't get it just my hair is different i'm so confused yeah. um and it's like my hair being different was the epitome of who I was for for a time in my life when I didn't really. Oh, you cut out for a second. Know Hopefully. that many. So, oh, sorry. Because I'm half half um, Trinidadian and half Sri Lankan, and I didn't oh, know any Sri Lankans growing up. Very quickly, you you cut out after yeah. you said uh, my, uh, the part about your hair, and then it cut out, and then you jumped back in. and I heard Trinidadian, so I'm like, oh wait, I feel oh. like that was important. Yeah, I, I basically said my hair was almost like the epitome of my identity. Yeah. Um, because if my if my hair were were different, I'd I'd be accepted as black. Of course. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you know, it, it was just so complex growing up because yes, there were some Indo Caribbeans around me, but I was also half Sri Lankan, mm -hmm. and I didn't meet any Sri Lankans until I was in high school. Yeah. So. It, it was very confusing. I wasn't just Caribbean either. Yeah. Um, and I remember for a while just wanting to identify as black. I thought, I'm a black girl and that's cool. And yeah. I accepted that way, you know, until it's like, but why is your hair like that? Um, and for my, I remember specifically my grandparents feeling like, you know, telling my mom, you can't let her I, like think she's black. Yeah. Um, make it clear that she's not. And again, not in an infringing way, but just like she better know she's Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um and I remember even getting scolded for like um my friends putting cornrows in my hair or little uh -huh. twists in my hair. Yeah. Um anything that I did that that you know threatened my grandparents like idea yeah. of, of of an Indian child and what yeah. I was supposed to look like. Yeah. Um leaked through my parents. My parents are very open minded and they 
always been my, you know, I have siblings from, from my parents as two separate relationships as well. Mm -hmm. So one of my siblings is half Filipina and one is half Trinidadian black, like black Trinidad. Yeah. So, you know, that was equally perplexing. Like for both yeah, my, family brother, <laughs> my brother was like, uh, am I Sri Lankan? And we're like, no, you're not Sri Lankan. And I was like, am I black? No, you're not black. <laughs> so, just really, really confusing. And what this article really helped, um, helped me explore and helped, you know, explain for me was that there was no shame in identifying or being identified as black. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. So long as I'm transparent about, you know, my privilege and the space that, that I'm being offered. Um, yeah. So at some point they had written up a little, um, a little piece on what was coming out and they said, um, you know, written by black collaborators or black artists. And I asked, I asked the, um, the editor to please, you know, say people of color or just say, you know, add in another verb, like beautiful, yeah. amazing writers, collaborators, um, mostly because yes, I don't want to infringe on or take up space where um, I know systematically, I, it's not necessarily that I don't belong, but mm -hmm. my, my space should be very um, conscious and, and transparent. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it, was, it was so comforting to hear this person say, uh, this is a black space and we're inviting you to have a voice here. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah that, that must be such a healing thing too, because growing up, like I, I, you know, I'm a black kid. I grew up in Montreal. I grew up in Cotonège, which is, you know, very much one of the multicultural hubs of the city. Um, you know, I, I, black, Trini, Guyanese, um, Saint Lucian, uh, Filipinos, uh, Sri Lankans, Indians. Uh, yeah. You know, and, and we were all in school together. And the which the school did you go to? I went to Wager, Wager High School in, in oh, okay. uh, yeah. yeah. And then like uh I had friends who went to Shad Academy and then when Shad shut down, they ended up coming to Wager. And right. it was kind of just this and it was always unfortunate because even in a school where we were always mixed, and I remember thinking this, like I ended up having a crush on this Trini girl, and I really liked her, and her brother was in my grade she was in the grade uh, below me and we ended up being friends at one point. And I, at the time I didn't like her that way. We were just friends. I always thought she was cool. She was wonderful. She's super interesting. She was great to talk to. She just had this great energy and vibe and interacting with her was so easy. And we took the bus together every day. And there was that moment where we both realized we liked each other. And essentially her brother was just like, don't talk to my sister. And I, it, I not out of fear, but out of respect for the brother, because I thought he was cool. And I like one of my best friends was really close friends with him. So it's not like I thought he was going to jump me because he didn't like that. Yeah. I, Yeah, it wasn't that fear. It was more that the sense of like, uh, unfortunately, that old fashioned mentality of like, I didn't get the blessing, so I shouldn't pursue this. Like yeah. I, I, I unfortunately lived in that mindset of like, I needed a ma the male approval 
to pursue this woman, um, which I regret. Uh, I think I should have very much spoken to her about it as opposed to listening to her brother, then standing at the bus stop next to her because we still literally went to school together every day. And then us talking and I guess she had gotten spoken to too because her attitude had already changed. And had we had the chance to discuss that, maybe we could have figured out, maybe this isn't the best. We're both really young. It's, it, we, we make such good friends because we from that moment, about it. no, we never spoke about it. And our friendship completely deteriorated. It fell completely to the yeah. wayside. We'd never, we were never the same again. Um, and I regretted that after so much because I genuinely liked that person they were a they were a really fun amazing person in my life that i genuinely enjoyed spending that time with and it just just completely gone to dust and it sucked because i was just like well and you're a teenager so you're trying to understand where where you identify and it's it was that weird divide of like because i feel like if i had been trini it, it wouldn't have been an issue i feel i really felt like it was because of my blackness that this was a concern like no okay, we don't so she was she was indo yes yeah, indo -Caribbean. yeah 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 okay. uh she was indo uh trini and uh, i'm oh, yeah, okay. i'm and i'm antiguan sorry that's true i should have explained because that's fair because I, I mean that's yeah. the other thing growing up in my head that's a like i trinis were brown i had uh, i met the first oh, my first, first yeah a lot of yeah us, the yeah. first black trini i met was uh was my cousin's like friend who was from Tobago and uh, was, yeah. yeah, it's like, oh, I'm from Trinidad and Tobago. So it's just like, oh yeah, you're, you're, you're not from Trinidad then. Like, and, and you have all these like really weird ideas about stuff like that when you're growing up in the, cause the Caribbean community is like small, but you have big Island, small Island mentality. And you have these conversations about stuff like that. And for those of yeah. you who are watching this and don't know what I mean, because you might not be from the Caribbean, trust me, there's a whole ecosystem. And yes, it's very, very yeah. complex. Um, yeah. But yeah, and, and I, I wish that like some of the stuff that you're saying about being welcomed into that space and some of the, and like your article where you address all the similarities and stuff like that, I wish to God when I was younger that I had had that experience of um connecting with people in my community that way right. uh, and by my community i mean caribbean community in yeah. general and yeah. not the idea of like antigua and trinidad and jamaica yeah. and the vinnies uh, and, and like just uh, all of us are our islands that are under the flag of the caribbean but don't act like it together and don't communicate right. or work together in those conversations so oh, like yeah it's so it's so fascinating we're all so similar Mm -hmm. um, and and for me, the most important thing to acknowledge is our history. It, our history is what all brought us, you know, to this one place, to this yeah. one land. And then, I mean, just like the rest of the world, where there's any like brown skinned people in the world, the colonizers just divided us. Yes. But to think that like it's taken so long to become conscious of that, and still. <sighs> You know, still where we're, there's many of us that are unconscious to it until, you know, they land upon an article or somebody who's talking about intergenerational trauma. The fact that we don't, you know, we don't raise our children or I wasn't, you know, my, my parents didn't raise us with this, with this consciousness that like, hey, you know, we were all uprooted at yeah. some point. Um, and, and identity is very complex. I remember when I was young, 
you know, people would constantly ask, like, um, are you packy? Are you oh, Indian? Yeah. Yeah. Where are you from? All this, like, all this shit. And I was always like, um, uh, don't don't call me a Paki. No, I'm not black. Nah, nah, nah. Like, you know, just so defensive, but yeah, I don't yeah. know who I am. And I remember like white people always saying, like, oh my god, I don't know why you're getting offended. You clearly have identity issues. I'm like, yeah, bitch, I have identity issues, and it's because of you. Yeah, you're <laughs> you and your ancestors, your ancestors <laughs> brought us over, and then you as the children constantly keep dividing us and keep trying to identify what type of immigrant that we've brought over are you why yeah. do, you, do you have a log somewhere so you can figure out how much you once owned like what what's your reasoning for always trying yeah. to yes yes yeah. i 100 just the other day here in Cote d'Ivoire. yeah you know i mean most people here are ivorian black right but they've got a very French presence. You know, they're they're still quite tied into their their colonialism here. Mm. But we encountered um, a a white Ivorian, and can you believe the first thing he asks me is, "Are you Indian?" What? Yeah, I don't even think he said, "Are you Indian?" He's like, "You're Indian, right?" I was like, leave it to the only white guy I've met. Ask me this question. And, you know, I just looked over at Will and I was like, I'm, I'm, do you know this person? Because I'm not going to answer them. And, and yeah. Will is like, just just ignore him, you know. And I'm like, so where but are you from? I, I said, I'm Canadian. But this wasn't someone that you guys knew. It wasn't like a friend of a friend. It's it was a friend of a friend. Okay, okay. Was, Real kind of you, you know, okay. versus like acquaintance, like yeah, distance, like distance okay. acquaintance. Yeah. Um, and then uh, he's like, um, yeah, he's like, so where are you from? I'm like, oh, I'm from Canada. Yeah. And I'm like, so where are you from? And he's like, oh, I'm from Cote d'Ivoire. And I was like, well, where are you really from? Yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and he's like, oh, I'm from Cote d'Ivoire. I'm like, no, no, but you're like, like indigenous from here, or yeah. he's like, well, I'm French. And I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. 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 Wow. That, you know. Here. <laughs> <laughs> wow. It must be such a fun thing to be able to flip that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and like, not because we want to, it's not that idea of, you know, getting back at people, but it's the idea of more, mostly like identifying how ridiculous it must sound. And hopefully yeah. by asking that question yeah. to that person, They'll think like, oh, why? That's such a weird thing. I, I said I'm from Cote d'Ivoire. Yeah, but where are you really from? Oh, why are you asking me where I'm really from? Oh, because I don't look like everyone else exactly. around here. And because you were just about to do that to me. Yes. Yeah. You know, so, but, like, I can, you know, let me just show you what you were about to do. I refuse <laughs> to answer, but you're going to be, you're going to be confused by me asking you this. You know, like... <laughs> It was, uh, it was very interesting. I yeah. love that. I love that. Two things you mentioned. You're in Cote d'Ivoire. Last time I spoke to you, you were in Ghana. Uh, tell yeah. me the story of, first off, remember, at the time that we're recording this, for those of you, if you're listening to this way later down the road, this is during the pandemic. It is, you know, 2021. We've been in a year of uh, dealing with a global pandemic. Uh, travel has been very difficult for some. Most people, uh, you know, a lot of the friends that I have have just chosen not to. Um, but in your case, you traveled. 
Um, and another thing you mentioned, you mentioned Will, who if, uh, if uh, I'll, so I'll let you explain one, uh, who Will is and two, why'd you travel? Okay, so um, let's start with Will because he's also why I traveled. Um, so Will is my partner uh, mm. and he is half Ghanaian, half Ivorian. Oh, cool. Um, so actually I've been to Ghana and Ivory Coast before. This is now my second time uh, oh, visiting. Cool. And uh, so we got engaged over summer 2020. Oh, okay. um, and we were planning to get married 2021 summer. Um, but, you know, seeing the way COVID is going and we were just like, okay, you know, if we wait for COVID to end, we're never going to get married. Um, and so we had discussed a little bit, you know, would we get married during this time that I came to, down to visit? Is it? It, it for us personally it didn't feel too soon but would it be shocking for our parents mm. so i came down to ghana in november and um you know i i talked to my parents a little bit about the idea of a civil marriage out here um so that travel could be easier for both of us as well mm, okay. um, with covid restrictions it's really hard to get a visa today yeah it's really hard to get your um your travel approved especially if you're going like you know across oceans like that yeah um so that was you know when we assessed our relationship and where we wanted to be in the next several years we found that one of the most important things was going to be having access to each other mm. um you know even thinking about growing a family things like that we need to be able to to travel in and out very, very easily. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so we explained that to my parents and my parents, you know, they, they were just like, they love Will. Will yeah. had, you know, our relationship started in Montreal. And so they've had the last several years to really get to know him well. I visited um, Ghana and Cote d'Ivoire the first time when we were still friends. Okay, cool. So, his parents had gotten to know me, but gotten to know me as a friend of Will's. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, years later, you know, understood we were in a long-term relationship. We lived together. Um, but all of our communication was, you know, online or over the phone, things like that. So for me, my parents were like, go for it. You know, if you have the opportunity to get married and have people at your wedding and family and enjoy outdoors go for it. We'll yeah, join you. It. We'll join you over soon. Yeah, <laughs> nice. That's beautiful. It was really beautiful just to to get their approval so easily. Mm -hmm. I was I was really warmed. I was really like, wow, okay, so we have the go from my parents. Yeah. Um and it was a bit of a slower process getting the approval from his parents. Um there were a lot more formalities and family discussions and I really understood their their point of view as well. They needed to get to know me in, yeah. in an intimate way, you know. Well, I was going to say, yeah, because I mean, just the way you described it, the fact that your family got to know Will over a period of time and 
his family knew you as a friend and now it's just like oh we're we're it's not a friend we're welcoming you as a soon to be a daughter into the family so that's there's a lot of discussions around that so i can imagine and it's not it's funny because it's not like something we think of mainly on the male side in in, in marriage right like it's kind of yeah. like men are supposed to ask for the handed marriage again traditional old-fashioned mentalities um yeah. but then you know male parents are kind of just like yes yes get married give us grandkids do that so it's right. nice to hear that there was a conversation about you and him joining as one and bringing these families together because i feel like that's important yeah very important and i mean the consciousness that our families brought to to this union was just unreal as well um they saw the love they saw the friendship that was there um and i think that's what made them feel secure out of everything that mm -hmm. um this wasn't just like um i want to get married and i want to have kids there it wasn't just like some some idealistic yeah. um, venture that we were on it was really like this is my best friend and i just want to have access to this person for the rest of my yeah. life oh, man. <laughs> i, I mean Anyone who's, anyone who's listening to this as a podcast, I got to say, watch the video because your face lights up so much when you say my best friend. It's so beautiful. Yeah. Like, you know, because sometimes you hear people talk about your partner doesn't have to be your best friend. And, I, and that's fair. But I think it's nice when your partner is your best friend. That's one of the things my mom told me early on. Like, it's okay if you're part like be friends with someone before you decide to be their partner because like that feeling you get of knowing that this person gets you connects with you the way you guys laugh the way you guys can communicate like arguments with your best friend are you talk through things as opposed to just holding the resentments and that's when you realize like oh this is legit this isn't just someone i'm dating where i'm gonna just stew and tell my best friends my other friends about yeah you know like when with my partner it's less like when things are stewing we give each other a little bit of distance, but then we talk and we actually have conversations and that, yeah. yeah, I feel like that's an important thing. Definitely. And, um, you know, I can talk on another podcast about how I feel that I manifested this partner. Okay. okay. <laughs> um, but I think one important thing was that I knew for myself, I wanted a friendship mm. before, before, um, these sort of commitments that was yeah. very important to me and so coming into that relationship with that consciousness really helped us develop that it was always friendship first mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. and there were mo moments in our relationship where we actually took steps back um steps back from physical intimacy from um from spending time together and really just went back to our friendship mm, cool okay um, and so that was that was that was always you know, now we've met a different space in our relationship where there's no going back to just friendship. Yeah. Um, but while we were getting to know each other, we had several moments where we're like, let's not think about where this relationship is going. Let's just think about what does our friend need right now? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, so, you know, there were some odd formalities that we had to go through with his family. They are you know, quite strict Christians, um, West African, mm -hmm. you know, practice of, of religion as well, which is, I've learned very different from, you know, Christians in Montreal that I know. Oh, interesting, yeah. Um, 
I would say, you know, there's some similarities between, let's say, the way my grandparents practice Christianity, Caribbean Christians. Okay. Oh, um, interesting. Okay, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, anyone who's watching who knows what a what a very strict Caribbean Christian mother or grandmother would be like, you're finding similarities between between West African Christians here as well. So, you know, anything um, anything that has too much to do with spirituality and, and earth and nature is is getting into like witchery. Yes, yeah, okay. Right? Yeah, so, I was gonna say, cause my, bless my grandmother, but my grandmother, Antiguan, very religious and like, you know, I, I'm sure very quick to say like, like, oh, you know, not that I've heard her vocalize comments about Rastafarians, but I've seen the look. Like, you know, a West Indian, like, grandma, like, if you, she's, it's just like, oh, you know, like that kind of like little, mm, mm, and the, the hum, and you're just like, okay, grandma. It's like, well, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a practice. It's just so when Will and I first met, he had like these tiny little dreads and um, his his dad found a photo of him when he had cut, when he had first cut his hair. Hmm. And he was like, isn't this such a sweet, handsome looking boy? <laughs> and Will's hair is just growing out. He doesn't have dreads yeah. right now. It's just growing out a bit. And he's like, compared to this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's so handsome right now. What are you talking about? Like, what? <laughs> yeah. And his dad was like, but look at this. This is a proper, sweet, handsome boy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you're talking about his hair only, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> what, is this, what is this wild hair? And I'm like, what is it? What does it mean, anyways? Cultural um, traditionalisms, like it's just these ideas. And I, I and not that I can comment on him because I don't know his father, but I, I, I do know in some other instances that is also Eurocentric in the sense of like mm -hmm. keeping very structured and straight and appearance is based on this and these are very specific things we want to see in this specific way because they are considered yes. the most acceptable way to look yeah yeah, yeah. so so it's interesting because his parents are quite um you know his his dad is an uh, interpreter his mom is a translator oh cool and so they travel um, a lot across Africa and Europe to to do different jobs. Mm. Um, so they're quite open-minded, but in a Eurocentric way, mm. right? Okay. Um, not very open-minded about their own history. Mm. And um, so, okay, so let me go through some of the formalities we had to we had to go through. So yes. we had to we had to both have separate conversations with each of his parents um, about our faith um about our friendship our ways of communication however they weren't inquiring what were we practicing what were what was strong in our relationship where were our weaknesses they were actually imposing jesus must be the foundation of your relationship if not your relationship will not succeed mm -hmm. you must be covered by the blood of jesus oh wow okay was a bit hard for me to swallow <laughs> i was like this sounds creepy <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well essentially it sounds like you're going through a like you were converting almost a little bit because right. you, you don't identify you're currently as christian do you no so i mean yeah. technically we're christian um but yeah. i wouldn't identify that way no yeah same with me i grew up baptist i'm christian but i don't identify as christian 
and yeah. again, sorry, mom, I know you're probably watching this. <laughs> and every time I say it, I, I, I hear her go, oh, but it's. Oh. Like my grandparents won't get, won't get to see this. So sorry. <laughs> <laughs> my mom, I definitely owe my mom a lot for, for going against the grain and, and being curious, staying curious about her history. You know, yeah. her grandparents were still Hindu. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, so it was just my grandparents who were like first generation. Um, on my dad's side, there were many generations going back, but my dad decided to reject it all and be atheist. So, oh wow, okay. okay. Um, my mom was really the one that brought spirituality into my life, and oh, that's cool. Like, there's so many different religions you can choose. You know, um, mm-hmm. you can choose not necessarily religion, but you ha- you have to have faith. Um, yeah, that, that was in uh, some. In something, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, another one was that the woman, um, the woman should be the one who um, is the organizer and who structures um, our daily life, and the man should be the one who protects us. Um, so anything that has to do with protection, you know, protecting the home, like making sure the locks are well, <laughs> are well fixed um but also i should you know when we go out he should always be the one to speak to strangers first things like that and i mean this was hilarious for me (laughs) because it was just like a week prior to this conversation that um some person you know came up to us outside of an atm when we had just pulled out money and told will um my guys want to rob you, but I'm, I'm here to save you. You just have to give me, um, you know, a good amount of money. And he was, he was like negotiating with Will. And I was like, listen, dude, you are not interested in robbing us if you're up for negotiation. Yeah. So I started to get a bit, louder and a bit feistier and i was like i don't know why you're pulling up on us like this like you don't want it you're not serious so just go away um and will was like you know don't 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 raise your voice or don't talk (laughs) dangerous and then and then this man says you know little girl you don't know me i could protect you i'm 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 dangerous i could protect you on these streets and you know in my head i'm like protect me from you like you, yeah yeah i was just gonna say um and he's like you can go over there and buy me a knife and i'll cut myself with it like like to show you how tough i am and i was like is that a thing ah, okay so you don't have a knife on you listen that's when I, I got a bit physical and I just, I just like gave him a, a little tug, shrug. I don't know, yeah. you know, I touched him a bit because he was very close to Will. He was eyeing Will's pocket. I was like, you don't have a weapon on you. You just revealed that to me. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, he, once I pushed him, there was a bit more people who noticed what was happening um, and, you know, started, just chiming in a little bit and, yeah. and he left and um you know we got into our car and we went home and will was kind of like what just happened and i was like people in these streets can't fuck with me i don't yeah. they don't know who i am yeah. <laughs> you know 
unless unless you pull out your weapon. Yes, and you're about to harm me. You know, I'll I'll surrender. Take anything you need, whatever. Yeah. It's all good. It's not worth my life. But if you're gonna bark you know, like a, if you're gonna bark like a wolf, but be a little chihuahua, then I'm gonna call you right? out, chihuahua. Like exactly. I, yeah, I can see what's but, going. On. Yeah. You know, the, it's it's interesting because I definitely think growing up in the Caribbean community in NDG, yeah. you know, made me this way as well. Mm. Um, and sometimes, you know, here in West Africa, I'm seen as, um, you know, a small foreign girl. And, yeah. you know, even for Will, sometimes he's surprised that this personality just comes out of me. And I'm like, <laughs> no. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. you're not messing with me today, actually. Um, and so a little bit of that personality also came out in my conversation with Will's parents in, in this okay. private conversation. Um, and at some point, they actually invited Will to come and sit with me because they realized it wasn't going so well with just me. Oh, okay. um, and I don't regret anything, but there's definitely some things that I would never do again like speak okay. over his father um, oh, okay. or yeah. interrupt his father while he was speaking. They were basically trying to tell me what my place in this marriage should be. And yeah. that, um, there's certain places I can't speak. There's certain places. And I was just getting very offended. Yeah. And I was like, well, let me tell you that I come from a family where I'm, where I'm allowed to speak where I'm yeah. allowed to have a voice. Um, and that might mean, that might be unique, you know, even universally for a woman to be able to sit down and tell her dad, I don't like the way you're speaking to me right now and I'm going to choose to withdraw from this conversation without getting huge backlash. Yeah. And it's a, and it, and if the rest of the world maybe approach things that way, it could be healthier instead of constantly trying to put daughters in their place or women right. in their place, you know, like, yeah. it, it, and and I, I mean, I'm happy. I feel like it is important that they did have the conversation with you because you also got to know where they're coming from. But you also, they, I think it's, it's really important that they saw where you're coming from. Like, you know, I, you know, I, I think there was definitely an appreciation for the fact that they're West African and this is their culture. But you also wanted to make it clear, like, I love your son. He's my best friend. He's my partner. And, um, you know, we see each other as equals and not necessarily this the this approach of because it's funny that you brought that up because when i was in school and i was in university i did interpersonal communications and one of the the like the earlier chapters in the in the course addressed the the private and the public um and the difference between private and public public was seen as male and private was seen as female and mm. the the conversation of how uh public was the man is the breadwinner who's outside protecting the home like and then and then our professor even brought it down to like he's just like and then let's strip all that away and bring it down to what it was originally which is the caveman went and hunted and the the cave woman stayed in the cave and made sure the cave was ready and that this food was ready for when the caveman came back and that is such an old mentality but it's still something that you know here we are 2020 and we're still seeing elements of that and we need to at the time, I was, it was like 2000, whatever, when I was in university. But it was the conversation of like, those are things that we might need to address and try and change. Like that class was us trying to see how we need to change those conversations. Yeah. So, yeah. And 
yeah, no, it was, uh, it was exactly that. It was very archaic mentality that for me, it was also like what struck me the most, you know, I remember leaving that, that conversation feeling very livid and feeling mm. like maybe it's, maybe we shouldn't get married yet. Mm. Um, because I don't agree mm. with their perspective and I don't, I don't want to enter a marriage where there isn't family harmony. So mm. maybe we should wait a bit for them to get to know me a bit more and for me to get to know them a bit more. Um, but after that conversation, you know, um, I, I managed to have separate conversations with his mother mm. and he also, I, and I'm really proud of him for doing that because it's not common that, you know, the youngest son in the family will contradict or, or have sort of controversial conversations with their parents. Yeah, yeah. And um, I remember saying, <laughs> you know, it was insulting to me that his mother knew that I'm not Christian, mm -hmm. um, that, I'm, that if anything, I'm practicing more of, a, you know, Hindu or Buddhist sort of practice. And to say to me, um, you know, her words were, all these natural nature things, that's all good. But Jesus has to be at the foundation of your relationship or else it won't succeed. Mm. And to me, that was a curse. Mm. And I take words very seriously. And I, and I also, you know, you call on energy when you speak that way. And yeah. she is a woman with a lot of power. Um, you know, she's, she's a healer herself, despite, you know, her consciousness of it or not. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I just felt very much like if we're going to be cursed accidentally, yeah, we yeah, afford, we can't afford to do this right now. Um, and so actually, he confronted his parents, and he was like, you know, he had told them before our engagement actually, um, there will be no discussions of religion, oh, uh, okay. <clears throat> because you know my future wife is is non practicing Christian, you yeah. know. She has a lot of beautiful practices and we can learn from that or not. Mm. But if religion is going to be, um, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, a deal breaker? Like a. No, no, no. If, yeah, a, not just a deal breaker, but if uh, religion is going to be imposed okay. onto us, that's basically going to be the only issue in our relationship. And yeah. So, you two, you know, you know, him saying to his parents, you guys will be the the result of our issues in our relationship. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so he had to, you know, he repeated that to his parents and he asked his mother, it's okay to share your religion, share your perspectives, but also to respect hers. Mm -hmm. um, but most of all, don't say things like, I cover you in the blood of Jesus because that's a bit daunting for somebody yeah. who's not interested in anybody else's blood than yeah. her own. <laughs> Especially because like we grew up in Christianity. So whether or not we practice, like you said, there's power to those words, you know, like, like this is a completely different and completely weird example, but the show Sabrina on Netflix 
Right. Where okay. The witch and the religion is based in Lucifer being the 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 deity. The deity. God. Yeah. Right. When they say like praise, I don't even want to say it right now because just the words no. make like I get nervous. And watching the show, I remember you know one of my co-hosts from Geektastic Sypha, him and I were saying like these play too much. Like, right. the, like we kept saying, yo, y'all are playing too much. But at the same time, it's like, it's just a show, but it's that energy. It's the idea that someone is creating a show and putting the energy of that focus into the world. And even if I'm not a pra like practicing, the show made me so nervous sometimes. So and I understand. Like, rituals, even if it's yeah. for TV, like okay. I'm like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And they went deep. And that's the thing. Like, you know, it's that idea of like, these things have power. There are power to words, like you're saying like that. So I can understand why, you know, the idea of like, you know, the blood of Christ, it's like, well, hold on. Because <laughs> that's, that, that's a commitment on my end. If I, exactly. if I, because the other thing is we know. So if, it, if she was to say to someone who has no concept of who Christ is, then it's just like you're just saying words. These words mean nothing to me. But we right. know what those words mean, so that has a bigger weight to it. So, man, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, just side note, the way that I've been taught Christianity and and the way the Bible has been translated to me is mm. that actually God is who we praise. Jesus has not been asked to to be prayed to like a god. Mm, yeah. um, so. Even at that level, the way I understand Christianity, you know, it's been deeply mistaken in so many ways mm. where we're constantly, they, you know, like in this room that I'm in, this is my father-in-law's office, they mm. have white Jesus everywhere. Oh, but yeah, um, yeah. So it's it's also that unconsciousness of their, of their practice that made me feel like, hold up. Yeah. What am I getting myself into? Um, but thankfully... And, and surprisingly, you know, his mother and I ended up bonding on many moments. She mm. asked me about the beads that I wear on my, on my anklets and, uh, sorry, on my ankles and my mm. waist. She talked about the fact that her mother wore waist beads and oh, cool. that this was part of their traditions. Um, and I was like, actually, it's from, it's from West African traditions that I've adopted these waist beads oh, as well. Wow. You know? Yeah. Um, and, and the, the greatest moment we ever had actually was, um, my mother-in-law was the editor on my article. Oh, wow. Yes. It actually gives me goosebumps. Uh, yeah, that. that's so beautiful. Yeah. That man, that, that, <laughs> that's such a cool story. Like this whole conversation I I've been like, oh, I, I was a little nervous sometimes too with how we were discussing because I was like, I hope they're not like upset when they watch this, but obviously you've gone through everything with them. And the fact that that, cause that piece that you wrote discusses all these things. And you talk about like the, the six uh, element and like, and it, uh, all these things that I'm reading and I'm just like, and you're like addressing how the Santeria connects with Christianity and right. Catholicism. And, and I'm like, wow, this is like, this is stuff that I've read and I've heard about, but it's so great to see you discussing it. And then to know that someone that you had this conversation with and these conversations with turn around and, and was the editor for this for you is so cool. Like it's such a, such a beautiful bow on that story. Like that's so great. Yeah, that was definitely, you know, 
like an everlasting moment. Like mm. I know that we both will never forget. And you know, she's she's amazing at editing because of her job. Yeah. And it was Will who was like, <laughs> so you know, not to get into it a lot, but there were there was some disappointments with okay. the platform I was working with. Um, okay. And they were ready to, um, uh, why am I losing my words? Um, publish the article without any edits. They, I, I sent it in and they were like, this is great. We'll publish it as is. And I was like, huh? Even though yeah. I did it, there needs to be editing, you know? Yeah. Um, and so there, there was a back and forth issues with that, um, up until just uh, today, actually, or yesterday. Mm -hmm. So things, you know, if you read it. There's some words that have changed again. Okay. Uh, yeah, um, but it was Will that suggested his mom, you know, edit it, and I was terrified. But yeah. it came down to the last minute, and I had no editor on this. And you know, I approached her, and I was like, "Mama Achwa." have this article and I'm really nervous for you to read it. Yeah. It's not necessarily all my beliefs, but it is part of who I am. And, yeah. you know, I just really need an editor. And she's like, Oh dear, you know, don't, don't, don't worry. You know, I'm, I'm still open-minded. Yeah. Like, okay. <laughs> yeah. um, and she read it and she made it, she made it so um, beautiful. She added such moments of finesse in that article. Yeah. Um, but the most beautiful moment was the last paragraph. She she looked at me and she, you know, we were sitting across each other and she asked me to come next to her. And she held my hand and she was like, can we read the last paragraph together? Oh. And I was like, yes. We <laughs> <laughs> read it out loud and I, I had tears in my eyes, her reading my own words. And even oh, now I'm getting teary yeah. at it. The way she read it was beautiful and she just looked at me and she was like that is so deep wow like, oh my god dude this yo thank you and yeah. um, you know we sat down and she was like you know god knows no religion mm. like oh my god oh, uh, yeah it, yeah um still getting goosebumps as i'm talking about this um but bringing this all back to Will and I. Yes. Did end up this is so beautiful. <laughs> oh, yes. Congratulations. Yes. Um, so we, you know, after after several conversations and, you know, his, his parents, no matter what, they had given us their approval. They were like, yeah. we want to get to know you better. And I think basically the friction that had happened was because they felt that they had to get to know all of me all at once. And mm. they were like, so your religion and this and this and this. And I felt very overwhelmed. I felt yeah. imposed on. And then and then things started to slow down. And, you know, I told them the most important thing for me was get to know Will and I. You know, yeah. they, I remember his mom saying things like, you know, Will is not very organized. And I was like, you know, he's worked on his organization a lot over the years mm. um so you know maybe just observe us and when they started to observe us they were like well 
they see the friendship. And I think that was the most important thing beyond, you know, religion and everything else. They were yeah. like, just keep this friendship strong and never be afraid to tell each other anything, even if it's, even if it's about each other, even if it's the worst thing, like, you know, today I really thought you were ugly. Like, I mean, <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe not physically, maybe your behavior, you know? Oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, or I didn't like the way you spoke to this one or myself or, you know, just anything. Yeah. Never be afraid to, you know, I want more freedom or I, I want to do this and I don't like that you're not interested, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. um, so it was also comforting to hear um, his parents say, have that open communication, no matter what it's about. Yeah. Um, and we basically, you know, we went down to the courthouse and it was so simple. They're just <laughs> like, okay, show us your ID. Great. Uh, we have a date available next week. Wow. And we were so excited. We were just like, yeah, let's do this next week. And then, you know, every, you know, all of our parents had, had met at that point. The Zoom meeting with our parents was like gorgeous. It was uh, smiles all around. Everybody just loved each other. Can't wait to meet. Um, so that was another moment that was like, yes, solidified, yeah, confirming, you know, we're, we're ready. We're here. This is happening. Um, so despite all of our parents being really, um, you know, giving their approval for this, they were like, wait, <laughs> it's happening in a week. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, I was going to say uh, that's really quick on, for, on their end too. Yeah. Um, yeah, and we were, I don't know, we were, you know, when we think back, we're like, whoa, <laughs> we just like sprung that on everybody. Yeah. <laughs> but we were in it. We were just like. Yeah, you're in the blitz. <laughs> you um, we didn't care if we had outfits or not. We didn't care if we had vows or not. We didn't care if we had a venue or not. We were just like. Sign the papers. Yeah. Let's start this journey. We're so ready. Um, and his family really came through and set up a gorgeous wedding for us. Um, we did it in his childhood backyard, which oh, cool. is beautiful as is. Have has like huge, beautiful trees. It already had one of those um like like sort of those altars, like oh yeah, like the arts. The, like, yeah, the yeah yeah so it already had one of those beautiful bushy arcs oh cool um, yeah they set up a cute little picnic table it was very much my style we got beautiful outfits made um for you know quite an affordable cost so huh. all this in a week everything came together so wow. amazingly um you know when i look back Every now and then there's like things that I'm like, oh, my, my hair was weird. Like I dyed <laughs> my hair really quickly and this all turned really, really pink, which it wasn't supposed to. Um, my makeup was not done. The, the photographer forgot to take photos of me. There's tons of photos of Will. There's not a lot of photos of me. Um, so every now and then when my ego wants to, mm. there's that I can find to really feel like, oh, we did that in a rush and that wasn't yeah. great. But when I look back at the photos of myself, I mean, I I don't think I've ever smiled like that so oh, much in my life. Yeah. I was like, 
this smile is so big, it's awkward. Like, <laughs> in there, I was like, oh, so cute. This is not going public, though. <laughs> um, yeah, and when, but when I came back the day as well, it was just like, I, I never imagined uh, marriage being, you know, a, a wedding or this, a union like this with a partner being so exuberant and so mm. ecstatic. Um, yeah. You know, I, I know you had mentioned before um, that there's people out there who's like, you don't need to necessarily marry your best friend. Yeah. And yeah. I think I spent a lot of my life in that, um, like, you know, state of mind mm -hmm. and, and not in a, not in a resentful or angry way, yeah, um, just... but, but more of a practical way, yeah. you know, yeah. like as long as we can respect each other, as long as there's some sort of friendship, it mm. doesn't necessarily need to be my best friend. Yeah. And um, there can be a compartmentalization of my life and that's okay. Yeah. And, you know, it wasn't until I met Will that I was like, huh, this could yeah. be really exciting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yes. That's, yeah. We got married I, um, January 21st, 2021. Oh, that's a nice number. Yeah. Yeah. That's a nice number. Thank you. That, that story is beautiful. That sounds like such an amazing experience. Uh, I, I mean, I follow you on social media, so I've seen snippets of things here and there, but I, you know, until you actually hear the whole story and have that discussion and understand what the voyage was to the ultimate goal of finding this bliss that works for you two and knowing that you guys were always, you were always connecting and always growing together. And this experience just allowed you to grow even more and that it connected the families and allowed the families to grow mm -hmm. and just like, you know, I visualize like that, like you guys all coming together and this tree growing out of this thing. And that's like such a beautiful idea of like, because sometimes it feels like, you know, you, you hear about people getting together and, you know, and when you were telling the story, I was just like, oh, it sounds like you and the in-laws have a tough time. But ultimately, that was all to a greater good. And I think that's great. And I think that's beautiful because um, I know some people that don't have the best relationships with their in-laws and and. And sometimes it, 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 you know, it's hard because you, you, you're hoping that they, it can all be worked out because the in-laws, whether or not the children have strong relationships with their parents, um, I feel like the in-laws in some way still are a factor because they, they help, they raise this person and there yeah. are elements of this person's personality and the way they see the world that comes from how they were raised, uh, yeah. You know, Will is who he is because of his parents and, you know, the society yeah. and the culture around him. But his parents were a major part of that. So it's great yeah. that, that, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. that's beautiful. That's beautiful. No, and like I knew that, you know, something that was important to me was having community and having support from both of our families. Mm. Um and, and mostly that's because of my mental health journey and knowing that I didn't want to be in a vacuum with just my partner. Yeah. That having good relationships with my in-laws was very important to me. And so that's why I also said, you know, I'll never speak over my father-in-law again. Mm -hmm. um, it wasn't worth it. You know, it wasn't yeah. worth, even if I was offended now that I know him and now that I understand also 
the the you know the the speed at which they were trying to move things forward and get to know me yeah. i know now that i have this openness with my father-in-law and actually after a conversation i can go back and i can say you know papa i wasn't crazy about the fact that you said this my voice is very important to me what were you trying to say you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and and what's beautiful is that he has even said that he's witnessed his son become a lot more straightforward and mm. and have bigger conversations since meeting me yeah um, so so he appreciates the forwardness that i have as well um even and though it, sometimes it can take them aback a bit they're mm. like you know what? at the end of the day we talk about everything yeah yeah that's great yeah, yeah. i yeah that yeah this, this whole trip sounds like and it was, uh, you know, during one of our toasts at our marriage, I even said, you know, I do things differently, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I'm very loving and I'm here, you know, I'm here to listen and observe, um, you know, but also know I do things differently. You know, yeah. I'm different. <laughs> well, I mean, so not to put you on the spot, but are you planning to stay there? Are you guys, you're, you're married and you're living there uh, with a pandemic. I, I mean, I, I, I know at one point you got sick yourself, so I, I can imagine that's a whole part of the process of like being in a space, being in a different space, be feeling ill, but at least knowing that you had that family there and that support, which I think was beautiful. Like now that I hear that story when I, cause I, I remember seeing when you posted that you, you had COVID being really concerned. Cause in my head, I was just like, Oh God, she has it. And she's not home. And I like, I understand you're there with your partner, but it's also like, that still sounds scary to not be, you know, where you grew up. I I, am very much of the mindset of like, I like the idea of my comforts and being sick somewhere else sounds very, it intimidates me quite a bit. So what was that process? Like, what was that experience like for you? Yeah. Being sick abroad is definitely overwhelming. Mm. Um, but I have to say his family made it very easy. Um, Mm. they were so supportive. They sent us like care packages almost every day with food, you didn't have to cook. Um, So it felt similar to being home because I know at Mm. home, you know, whether it was my mother or or some, you know, other family members, they'd come and support me and and drop off food if if needed. Um, We had a lot of support. The only thing is I miss, I really miss the comfort of our home. Definitely Mm, we, in Montreal, we have a lot more space. We have a full apartment. Um, we have two cats that I miss a lot. Yeah. Um, and so in Ghana, our you know we were um, living in a like a what would you call that like a like almost bachelor sized condo. You know, like okay. it's all open concept. The bed yeah. is pretty much across the the kitchen. Okay. Yeah a beautiful sweet place you know great view and everything like that i couldn't complain but i didn't realize how suffocated i felt in that place until we came here to cote d'ivoire and here we're staying with um his father in in his childhood home here okay Uh, where we have a lot more space we have our own rooms and you know we have actually (laughs) him and i take up two rooms one for for us (laughs) yeah (laughs) And he, it was his dad who decided that for us. He was like, you guys have too many things. Just take a yeah. second. So, and we also have an office. So we have a lot of space here, which is really nice. 
Okay. Um, however, we also live with an in-law, right? So yeah. that's a different issue of space. Yeah. Um, you know, some of my practices, like uh, my, you know, my, my, my dancing, my things like that have been, have felt a bit like I don't do them as openly because I don't have a full house. I, I don't yeah. know if I can play this type of music loud or, you know, things like that. Um, so I definitely miss home. Mm. And um, I've extended my flight several times at this point. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was supposed to be here for about four months. Now I'm going on about five months. But I do officially have a return date. Okay. We'll be coming back April 17th. Okay. Um, and one of the biggest reasons is because um, I just got approved for an internship that will start end of May. So oh, awesome. for that. And uh, it's, it's heavy work that I need to prepare for. I'll be working mm. um, with teen moms and their babies. Oh, awesome. Okay. Working on attachment. I think we talked a little bit about attachment and things like that um, in our yeah. last, yes, our last yeah. podcast. And like, like uh, the yeah. experience and and teaching people about touching a baby and like that exactly. how it yeah um, it like my my partner works in the NICU and they do a lot of the kangaroo care. Uh, oh wow! Yeah, oh, I need to meet up with your partner and, and see. Oh yeah, something. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they do. They talk about kangaroo care. She t it's like uh, they do these projects every year where they do like kangaroo care uh, marathons and they try and like reach specific goals to like help with the attachment with the babies and stuff like that. And and the healing, like, you know, just when, you know, it's it's so interesting to hear you talk about that healing process and to hear her talk about it, because it's definitely kind of that. It, it like you can tell the Western society and the western medicine got it from someone in the eastern community like that yeah. idea of us like hey just just touching and holding heels and it's yeah. just like oh okay because you know like i hear stories about in the 70s you know they they figured out that this lamp does this for the baby like the babies in the windows were doing better than the babies on this side of the room so they realized yeah. that this light yeah. light heals and they're like oh we need to start putting these lamps over these babies. It'll help. And, and it's just kind of that process. I'm like, Oh, that's so interesting to think that some of these things that in Western society and Western culture, because even in your piece where you're talking about the four elements and how um, the elements were, they use the elements to try and figure out what the ailment was and the imbalances sometimes. Right. Uh, and then it makes me think like, yeah, with the babies, maybe the imbalance is not enough of light and, and heat energy and stuff like that. And it's like, wow that's such a simple thing and then to them to adapt it into western medicine that way it's like oh, okay these are the things and the steps that it takes but very interesting yeah, yeah. so but that's so good. congratulations that's so great about the the job i'm, I'm very excited for you um yeah, I, uh, i'm excited as well and it's also you know based in ndg so cool. back to my roots which was really important to me and mm. i struggled to get this approved for multiple reasons. Um, my supervisor and I, um, you know, had different perspectives for quite a while, but it feels mm. good to be here finally. Awesome. Um, so yeah, I'm going to be coming home for that for sure. And um, Will is going to be staying out here. Okay. So currently, 
um, Canada is not approving any visas for anybody abroad to come into the country. So he cannot visit and we don't know until when. Um, but he Even if you're married? Yeah, so because we're married, um, mm -hmm. he, he basically is immediately going through the process of Canadian residency. Oh, cool. Okay, yeah. And, um, I think once all the documents are together, he can get a visa. Um, okay. But that okay. still will take several months, especially yeah. with the speed of bureaucracy right now. Um, yeah. yeah. Things are so slow. Yeah. Um, we're also helping that the vaccine, we're hoping that the vaccine rollout is going to help because like here it's going really fast. Oh, cool. Okay. So yeah, like, you know, so many people that we know are vaccinated already. Are you eligible to get vaccinated there? I probably not, right? I imagine as no, a visitor. No, it be, yeah, it'd have to be local, and which is fair. You know. honest, I want to, I want to wait as long as possible before getting this vaccine. I just fair, fair. I mean, there's a lot of conversations about yeah. it, and there's and the, the other thing is like there's multiple vaccines. Exactly. Uh, yeah, exactly. yeah, that's fair. Um, yeah, I feel like so a lot yeah, of people I'm have. Just, I'm not against it or anything, yeah. and you know, no judgment. But I personally want to wait as long as I can. Um, yeah. Will might have to take it before me because he's most likely going to be going to Montreal before I come back this way. So, mm, yeah. Um, and you know, we ideally wanted to have a celebration here also uh, in Montreal as well. Yeah, yeah uh, that's what I'm going to ask. When you were but, talking about the pictures and you not looking exactly the way you wanted, I was just like, well, you're also going to have the Montreal right. wedding, right? Like, there's got to be a Montreal party. I expect it. So, <laughs> Definitely. There has to be. Yeah. You know, most of our friends um, and all of my family is there. So, mm -hmm. and my dad had said, you know, we, you know, he approves, go ahead, get married, but we must have um, a wedding there as well. Yeah, because the most important thing for him is to walk his his uh, daughter down the aisle. So that's so we totally respect that, but it's all on pause because of yeah. COVID. So, yeah. so yeah, traveling is definitely different. You know, yeah. I well, f first off, in November, you going from Montreal to Ghana, and then the travel within Ghana and within Africa to get. To, how, tell me, right. please, I, I'm fascinated by that. Okay, so um, going from Montreal to Ghana, um, I had to take a PCR test. That's the one where they, uh, you know, do it with the cotton swab. The, mm -hmm. the um, I had to do a test seventy-two hours before. Okay. Um, and it had to be negative. So I got that test. It was it was very like, it was quite simple, straightforward. Um, so many people say like it doesn't hurt. It hurt me. Just okay. saying. Yeah, it was extremely uncomfortable, and my yeah. nose burned for like hours after. So maybe my I'm partner, just no. My but... partner said the same thing. Oh, my okay. Partner, my partner did her test one time because uh, she's a nurse. There was two weeks in a row where they made them do testing because there was like a someone uh, had uh, on their floor had gotten a, uh, COVID. Oh, so they're just like. Yeah, so they they were just like you guys have to test this week and you guys have to test next week, and both times she ended up with headaches uh, afterwards. Oh. And yeah, so it, you're not the only one. Yeah, so that was uncomfortable. Um, got to the airport, everything was quite easy and clean in the airports. I felt safer in the airport than I did at the grocery store, for example. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, I chose to wear gloves while I was there and I changed mm -hmm. my gloves every now and then. Mm -hmm. um, I had several 
uh, masks that I also changed. So once I got into the airplane, I changed my mask into a new one. Okay. Um, I also, you know, they, you know, they gave you hand sanitizer, they gave you antibacterial wipes before you ate, things like that. Um, I traveled with um, like 70% alcohol and I would like, yeah. you know, I sprayed like, like my, my, my chair and stuff in the airplane, things like that. Um, then once you get to Ghana, you have to do another test. Um, oh, okay. And it costed um, 150 US dollars. Ooh. Okay. So, and the one in Montreal also costed $150 because you need a specific travel um, COVID oh, test. Yeah. And you can't just get a regular one at any clinic. So you have to get it. Um, it's a private clinic that's approved by the, the public health. Um, mm -hmm. Like Public Health Canada? And, yeah, exactly. and, in, and in Ghana, I imagine similarly, wow. they have a health organization. Okay. Exactly. So you have to do that test once you arrive. Um, and uh, but interestingly, um, in this side of the world, they don't go up the nose. They go down the throat. Oh, um, okay. Which is equally as intrusive. Like, you know, you feel like you're going to vomit. They're like, say, ah, and you're like, <laughs> but it doesn't hurt as much afterwards okay yeah um, you know there's no burning there's no headache i find it better i wish okay. they would do that in in canada yeah i didn't know that that was even an option yeah um hey, not in uh at one point in china they were doing rectal so two points right oh. yeah i don't oh, know but <laughs> it's fine. Um, but yeah, so when I got that test, that was negative. So, you know, we still had to quarantine for 14 days okay. upon arrival. Okay. Um, but we actually went to go visit family 10 days after. Oh, okay. So we felt we felt pretty safe. And it was mostly because I felt that my journey was extremely safe. Mm. Uh, that you know, the airports did a really good job at protecting us and, and keeping distance between everyone. Everyone had like, you know, a row all to themselves, things like that. Oh, wow. That. Okay. Yeah. Now, traveling domestically or, you know, not yeah, it, within West Africa. Yeah. was different. Um, so you had to get the test 72 hours before, mm -hmm. uh, but you didn't, you know, so in Ghana, you have to get the second test. In Ivory Coast, you don't have to. Okay. Once you land, you're free to go. Um, and which, you know, what was uncomfortable was the flight was packed. Oh. We next to people. And oh. so that felt a bit unsafe. Um, Will and I asked to change seats because there were a couple rows that were empty, yet they chose to pack us all in the back oh. instead of staring us out. It was, it was quite odd. Hmm. Um and so we, you know, they allowed us to switch seats. They said we weren't allowed, but we did it. And then they didn't say anything. <laughs> I, remember, I remember like, you know, one of the flight attendants passing down the aisle and Will was like, oh, maybe we should go back to our seats. And I was like, maybe you should be quiet. <laughs> like, oh. <laughs> and I was like, there's no eye contact, Will. Don't give her eye contact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she didn't say anything. She was like, all good. Um, so that was, that was okay. Now coming back home yeah that is going to be interesting um I've yeah done a lot of research already 
I'm not looking forward to this. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, so as, as usual, I have to get the test 72 hours before that says yeah. negative. Then I get to the airport in Abidjan, which okay. is here in Dubois. And I've been told by the by Air France, uh, um, Air France, yeah, that I have to have my quarantine hotel, which oh. is which is now mandatory in Quebec. I yeah. have that booked before getting on my flight in Abidjan. Yeah. So I went and I looked at the prices, and it looks like there's. You know, it's a minimum of at least a grand that I'm going to spend. Yeah. And Why, it, are you, do you have to quarantine for two weeks in the hotel? No. So you have to okay. quarantine for three days while you wait for your second COVID test results. So uh, okay. when you okay. get to Montreal, then you have to get your second COVID test. Then you go to the hotel and you wait for your results. Your okay. results can come within 24 hours. And if they do come within 24 hours, you will not be refunded for the other two nights that you spent. It's a whole package that you have to buy. And uh, the package is about 800 and something dollars on its own. And then you have to pay the fees for the hotel. Oh. So here's what's interesting. My flight is on April 17th, right? I'll be landing April 18th. I'm not allowed to book my hotel right now. I have to wait until like a week before my flight where hotel prices are going to go up and then add the 800 and whatever. Oh, why do you have to wait? Do they explain? Nope. Okay. No, because you're coming home and there's too many people coming home. So you can't book in advance. Yeah. I want to find. I I I like. I kind of want to try and find a loophole. I'm like, can someone else book it for you? And no, no. Like basically, when you book it, there's special rates. You have to click on special rates, and there's something called GAA. Okay. And that is the government-approved accommodation for for your quarantine. Yeah. So all the hotels I've checked. They you can book a normal room, but not but, a GAA. But not a GAA. There's it's not available. The only time it's available that I can see is like a week in advance. Yeah. Ah. So and a week in advance, the hotel prices go from like seventy-five dollars a night to like three hundred dollars a night. Uh yeah, yeah. That's not that's yeah, so, that I I, I understand, like, I get why they're having people stay in the hotels. Things that you've mentioned that I don't agree with, though. If I get my results in 24 hours, let me cancel my last two days. Right? You don't, I don't need to stay there. You know I don't need to stay there. There's absolutely no reason to stay there. And you could make more money having a last-minute room. Like, I'm sure you could be like, well, we have this room. Or if anything, you have other people coming in who need G- GAA rooms. So if you if you let me leave after the twenty four hours, but someone else needs to do their three days, oh, well then no, let you leave. You can yeah. leave. You yeah, but they're just doing, yeah, right. Oh, so they so keep they it, and they still. Oh, that's no, that's. Oh man, yeah. see stuff like that is why I think a lot of people are not happy with the system that they've put in place. Yeah, that's absolutely why. 
because I didn't um, know any of this information. And I was definitely just like, I'm sorry, guys, you have to pay for these rooms. And I, I, I do think that three days while you're waiting for the results is, is an unfortunate, but fair request, but I definitely don't agree with keeping my money. If I got my results 24 hours yeah. and I don't agree with not letting me book in advance. Cause here we are March 26th. You know, when you're coming back, you should be able to book. Don't wait and force people to pay these exorbitant prices because you're yeah. looking to make extra money. That's really not fair. So, I mean, like for me, three days, okay, I get it. Most people are getting the results on their second day though. And normally it's 48 hours to get your test results, but it's mandatory that you book the third night. So that's something that annoys me. Of course, not getting refunded is there's that as well. Yeah. Um, but for me, en plus, it's like, I live by myself. There is no way that you can prove a whole oh, yeah. is safer than my home. The only other name on my lease is yeah. my husband's name, and he's not in the country. So, yeah. Yeah. you know, there should yeah. be some choices. There should be some exceptions. Um, I also feel like there should be exceptions for people with mental health challenges. Yeah. You're going to have someone arrive here and send them to a hotel all by themselves where they can be in the comfort of their homes. The yeah. GA charge, which is like eight something, I think is also, um, you know, way too high. And they, mm. their reasoning is that because there's security and because they're going to offer you food. Um, okay. But... I don't understand why there needs to be security. Like they shouldn't be policing our lives that way. You know, yeah, like, was... what's the security uh, for in case we run away? Like, well, I was just going to ask once, like, because people were skipping, all, like there were stories of people skipping when they came in, which was right. a big issue at first. But uh, so I do, I, I understand why they're like, we have to make sure people go in. But once someone's inside, how are they keeping people like, are they, do they actually have security to make sure people don't leave the floors? Because that seems yeah. really intense. Yeah. So now there's actual security um like in the hotels themselves that have been um that have been appointed by the government yeah um, so yeah that's overwhelming um, yeah that sounds a little that sounds a lot of intense not a little intense yeah. um but also now it, that's just unnecessary because now you have to have this app you do you download the arrive can app and that's okay. where you to put all your information and you get a QR code so they can really keep track of you. So what's the okay. point of paying extra for security? Yeah. Um, but so I am actually preparing to um, not go into the three-day quarantine oh, and okay. accept the fine and take the fine to court. Oh, wow. So, okay. I've done a lot of research and I feel like um, I have a really great case to yeah. make, um, particularly because the court cannot prove that the hotel where travelers are coming in and out of regularly is safer than my own home where I live yeah. by myself. Yeah. Um, two, I left in November. I'm not somebody who left while there was... Um, these travel restrictions and decided to go anyways. Yeah. When I left, there was not travel restrictions. Yeah. And I come to to be here with my family and my husband. Yeah. Um, 
So I, I also feel like that should be an exception. If you left last year and these um, restrictions were only, you know, only happened in February, mm-hmm. why am I, why am I having to go through that as well? I don't think yeah. that's fair. Yeah, no, I, I, yeah, there, there was another story. Uh, I was watching the news, CBC news, and there was a gentleman who went to India to take care of his father who was ill and his father passed away. Um, and then he, you know, he, he left behind, um, <coughs> apologies. He left behind his wife who was pregnant. So he's been in India and there was obviously tons of restrictions. He couldn't finally, he couldn't get back. Finally, he's able to get back. They put in the restrictions, the the flight restrictions, just by the time he figured out his situation to get back. So just around the time when he was about to leave and he didn't, and he didn't really plan for this. He now has this thing with like, you know, the thousand dollars for the hotel and all the things and paying for the special tests and blah, blah, blah. And he was explaining, it's like, I, I feel like I'm being punished for wanting to be there when my father passed away. And that hurt. Like hearing him say that was such a s- sad, hard thing. And I, I, so in cases like you're talking about where you've been there since November, you went to be with your partner who is now your husband, you're building a life together. It's not like you went on vacation. Um, and, and, you know, again, it's not, we're not, they're not doing it for the people who are like going to Punta Canta and all that stuff who see it as punitive. Yeah, sorry. You guys who are going on vacation during a pandemic who want to be on a, bit on a beach, I understand why you see it as punitive because you know you shouldn't be going to a resort. You see it as right. punitive because you know the thing you're doing is something that everyone's saying, please don't do this. But yeah. someone like you and someone like the gentleman who went to India for his fa- for his father, uh, those are not people who were are being who sh- like again. We're not trying to punish, but. You definitely shouldn't be seen in the same boat as the exactly. people who like the people who understand it as a punishment. There's a reason you see it that way, because you knew you shouldn't be going to a resort. The people who are trying to get back to their families or come back to to, to get their lives restarted in a in a really stressful time should be given some sort of leeway and some options. I don't think we should just blanket it across everyone. So I definitely understand. And I definitely agree. Uh, brave of you. I, I mean, if you're planning to, to fight it, I think that's great. Uh, you know, again, uh, you know, I, I think it's very important for people, the idea that you're going to be by yourself in your own space for the time you need is very different from people who are just like, I just want to skip it and then stay in a bedroom downstairs from my parents' house. No, right. that's not the same thing. And I, I, you know, for those of you who are listening to this and see it as being on the same page, you're not on the same page. Understand very specifically that Chelsea's situation is very specific. It's different. Mm-hmm. And there's a reason why that I understand that. Uh, so the guy who wants to come back and be with his wife who's pregnant and possibly just had a kid... I'm not saying he needs to stay in a hotel, but he should be able to find some other alternative location he can stay where he doesn't have to pay a thousand dollars after losing his father and had not being able to be with his pregnant wife who's about to deliver yeah. their child. That yeah. sounds that sounds insanely punitive. You, you're punishing but, someone. And yeah, there has to be other options. Like you know, even for myself, I haven't I haven't worked much out here. Um, mm. I mean, a lot of people in general are not working much just because of yeah. a lot of the COVID restrictions. Um, yeah. But being in another country, not having an established clientele here or anything, mm. 
it's going to be it's going to be very difficult for me to afford um yeah. you know that minimum one thousand like yeah. you know, some people are spending up to three thousand and not getting their money back as well. Um, when I called one of the hotels, you can hear people yelling in the <laughs> hotel. So wow. I mean, this is just chaos. Why? Why are we doing this? It, yeah. There has to be other options. So yeah, I've done I've done research as well on, you know, just looking at the Quarantine Act and looking mm. at um, you know the the Canadian Citizen Act, and it seems as though there are there are other things that I can bring to court as well. You know, mm -hmm. just, uh, you know, as a human, I technically am allowed to refuse um, the, the the vaccination. I'm allowed to refuse the test. I'm allowed, yeah. like, so technically I'm supposed to be allowed to refuse those things. Um, <laughs> I'm going to take the test when I land. I'm yeah. not against, you know, I know some people are against taking the second COVID test. I'm like, okay. look, if you want to know if I if I caught COVID during my travels, that's fair. You know, yeah. I'll take the second COVID test, um, but I'm not going to this hotel. I don't. I just personally don't feel safer there. I don't. Yeah, that's um, fair. Yeah, I want to be in my home. Um, and then also, as a Canadian citizen, we are technically supposed to have the right to come back to our country yes. no questions asked. Yeah, so, I've been it's funny that you say that cuz I've been in a situation where I was crossing the border back into the states. One of my friends uh who was driving us was American. Uh there was an issue. He was brought in questioned and then when he came back to the car, the border agents told us as Canadian citizens, we do not have the right to refuse you entry into your own country. Unfortunately, your friend at this time will not be allowed to come back with you. Um oh which was kind of crazy. So we ended up getting stuck at the border for a bit. We ended up getting home, but it was just the idea that like, like that, that was a moment of like, I never heard that before. And I guess I never thought of it. Like you can't be denied entry into your country. And I was yeah. just like, wow, okay, cool. Um, yeah. That's, that's a nice feeling. So I agree that for you coming back home, they can't deny you entry. Uh, right. I know people want to take precautions to protect themselves. I understand COVID is a concern. It is. This is not taking lightly. But I think people really need to understand that there are different tiers, especially in the story you're telling about yourself. You left in November. You didn't have any plans for, you know, needing like to financially prepare for your return. Right. is very different from someone like someone I follow on social media who is down in Mexico for three weeks and then is upset when on the back end of their trip, the restrictions got put into place and they ended up having to pay to stay somewhere else until they could figure out their flight. And they were complaining about like the place that they took the test took too long to get them the results in the 72 hours. So they weren't able to book their flight and all this stuff. And I'm just like, yeah, I don't know why you were in Mexico. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. I don't understand. Uh, you know, if, if it's something you wanted to do, okay. I don't, but I don't understand why you were in Mexico and that that's for you to feel comfortable with. But I understand why Canada is saying, oh, like, we can't refuse your entry, but we can definitely say, did you need to travel right now? Versus, you know, Chelsea, you went to be with a, your partner for five months yeah come back you can come back home so right. yeah yeah so um you know i've seen also a few people just on social media who have been rejecting the uh 
hotel quarantine and mm. it seems fairly simple you know that mm. you just have to be very you know honest and calm that you you know you know your rights because yeah. uh, france was telling me oh well you're not going to be able to get onto your flight um if you don't have your hotel booked in advance um oh, yeah, I, well you know as a canadian citizen you actually can't reject me from my flight and the canadian government has not asked you to to oh, put impose this yeah yeah, like some some airports, specifically like Cote d'Ivoire and France, who are affiliated with like the the, the French, you know, colonies yeah. like that. Like this is a common flight, like Abidjan to Paris, Paris to Montreal. So they're yeah. all kind of working together. But I know for sure the Canadian government has not asked anybody to reject or or um, turn you know, away. Not- turn away any Canadian citizens. Um, For sure, they're going to try to threaten me and they're going to try to persuade me into downloading this app and and booking my hotel. Um, And I'll just calmly respond with, I know that I'm going to get a fine when I land in Canada and I'm okay with that. Yeah. Like, I'm getting a fine. I'm going to get punished. I know that. Let mm-hmm. me on my flight. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and apparently you can just go up to an agent and you say, I refuse the hotel quarantine, write me up my fine. They're yeah. going to give you options whether you want to um, plead guilty or, um, you know, appeal in court. And you just choose to appeal it in court. Appeal in court. Okay. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I've, I've also, you know, talked to some of my family members and they're all. You know, they're all in agreement and they're all there to support yeah. me as well. That's the other, yeah, that's the other thing. Like, as long as you also have the support, this that's an important aspect of it. Uh, yeah. It can't just, like, because everything you're describing uh, and the fact that you'd be going to your own home that you have by yourself sounds great. But if you don't have anyone to support you in that, that's also where it becomes kind of like a concern of like, whoa, how are you going to eat? What are you going to do? But that's that's where I that's where the foundation of family comes into play, or the fa- and family as in not just f- family, but like your community around you. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Chelsea, this conversation. Thank you so much. I've had such a great time talking with you. Uh, we didn't even cover everything we wanted to talk about, but we, we covered so much, and it was so wonderful and so great and so enlightening. And I very much appreciate it. I really do. It's great talking to you, and I always feel like. Once I get on here, I'm like, okay, let's just talk for the whole day. <laughs> I know, I know, and I look forward to you. You know what? I look forward to getting the vaccine. I look forward to us being able to do this in person because we've done two of these over Streamyard, and uh, you know, one of the things that I'm looking forward to is doing more of these, even if it's social distance. I have the mobile stuff, and I'm really, I, I'm really excited about trying to get more of these things done. Uh, you know, in person, because I have a lot of fun. I have great conversation with you and I look forward to it. I look forward to doing more. Thank you so much for having me. I love like, no, we didn't cover everything. This was just such a a rich conversation. Yes. Yes. I I mean that it's the natural conversation is always better than what you have planned. You know, that's, that's one of the things. So thank you so much. Uh, I wish you a safe return. Very, very much so. Uh, I look forward to you coming back and continuing all the great work you did and do here in Montreal. And uh, yeah, and I look forward to Will, Will coming so I can meet him in person. Yeah. Yes, yes, definitely. 
And that's another edition of Not a Journalist with Brian Holiday. You guys can find more episodes on brianholiday.com. That's B-R-I-A-N-H-O-L-I-D-A-E. Also follow me on all social media platforms at Brian Holiday. If you guys want to support me, make sure to check out my coffee page. That's ko-fi.com slash Brian Holiday. And if you have something to say, you can leave a message at anchor.fm slash not dash a dash journalist slash message. And I'll add it to the next episode. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Thank you.